you might not feel like an expert, but no one will treat you like one until you start acting like one. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Reagan, and you've discovered Unicorns Unite. This is a podcast for freelancers, service providers, virtual assistants, and curious listeners who would like to experience the freedom and flexibility of working virtually. We're the magic makers, movers and shakers, and the real people doing the work behind the scenes of online businesses. Welcome to Unicorns Unite. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Emily Reagan, a fellow freelancer. I started off doing Facebook for clients and did Pinterest marketing, and that opened up a whole can of worms doing content marketing, affiliate marketing, email marketing, launches, social media strategy, helping my clients build their marketing funnels. It has been a whirlwind experience. I've loved every second of it. And I wish I had known other freelancers back in the day so I could have networked and learned from them, sped up that process. One of the things I regret not raising my prices soon enough. Yeah, I took way too long to do that. I really didn't know any better. There's a whole mindset behind that. And that's why today I've brought on to the show marketing strategist and copywriter, Michelle Hunter. Now I probably say this about a lot of people, but she's probably one of my most favorite people in the online space. She is a genius. She's so good at what she does. And what I love most about her is she is the most confident woman I know. I actually sent students to her virtual writer course. I don't know when it's going to be launching again, but I'll be sure to update you. Get on my email list, follow Michelle. We'll let you know when that's opening again. But I just love, she has a successful copywriting agency and she's so good at what she does. But most of all, she has the confidence to back it up and it shows in her work. And I brought her on this show to help all of us, no matter where we are in our freelancer business, no matter whether we're new or we've been doing it for a while, how to confidently ask for the price we are worth and to show up confident. We're all about confidence hacks today with Michelle. It's all about mindset, how you view yourself and your talent. And she's going to give us examples of how to state your prices, raise your prices, how to come across confident, not being wishy-washy, and how to stand up for yourself. And one of the specific things we're going to talk about is how to raise your rates with your current clients without feeling guilty. That's a tough one. And that's where I struggled honestly. Real quick, if you haven't signed up for my How to Work Online Masterclass, we're going over the five areas that you could be working online if you haven't started your freelancer business yet, if you're looking at what skills do you need to learn and how to position yourself for the long term for a successful independent contractor business, then sign up. It's an evergreen funnel right now. I'm a mom with four kids. It's recorded. I'm not going to pretend like this is some live webinar right now. You can sign up with the link in the podcast notes. I would love to see your name come through the list and talk to you about opportunities for yourself because there's so much work out there. So much work. You hear me say this all the time. E-learning market's exploding. All the businesses are trying to get online. COVID just propelled that even further. It is crazy right now. And I am sharing job leads with my students, with my work group, and with my student group in my digital media via crash course. And also, sometimes I share them in my free Facebook group. So if you're not a member of that, go join. Link is also in the show notes. Okay, let's dive into our interview with Michelle Hunter. everyone. Welcome to our show. We have one of my favorite people here, Michelle Hunter. She is a copywriter and a marketing specialist. I've had her inside my group before teaching her marketing conversation. 
teaching virtual assistants how to do copywriting. And I'm so glad to have you back today because my people love you. Yeah, will you just introduce yourself to anyone who's new and is not familiar with you already? Sure, sure. So I'm Michelle, and I am just actually a lot like all of you, meaning I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I have adult kids, and now I'm raising my four-year-old grandson with my husband. So I'm also down in the weeds with preschoolers, so living the dream, right? I specialize in marketing strategy and copywriting. I work with businesses from corporate businesses all the way down to entrepreneurial businesses, writing sales and marketing copy, website copy, and helping them figure out basically how to talk about what they do so they actually get clients and generate more revenue. And so I have run a couple of different classes teaching VAs and administrative people how to write uh, blog posts and email content for their clients. And I coach people on business strategy and marketing so that you can actually get clients. So I kind of do all of that. You have been so good with helping my people talk about themselves to get jobs and Mm -hmm. to come across confidently so people want to hire them. Mm -hmm. And that's a big part of why I wanted to invite you back here. So we've had you in some coffee clinics. You had a program, the virtual writer that, like you said, taught the writing part of it, because so many of the virtual assistants, we end up helping with those thank you pages, those sales pages, those blogs and emails. And we don't always have like the training to back us up. And you offer that, which is amazing. And then you also had a lot of good advice because it's so hard starting new and you've been there, done that. You've grown your agency. I would love if you could talk a little bit about how you got started. Just roll quickly because I think it's such a powerful story and it gives a lot of us um, good perspective and like an end game, you know? Sure. I'm trying to remember how I got started. It's been a long time. (laughs) I was in corporate marketing and sales and marketing and logistics and accounting. Accounting. Yeah. Yeah. Moving money from one column to another column. (laughs) So I had a corporate career and I started out in accounting when my kids were little. That was the degree that would, I always wanted, I think, to be a writer. And my parents said to me when I was in high school, you can't make money writing. Nobody makes any money writing. Like get a job that you can make some money at. So I got an accounting degree. I hate accounting actually. So I I had this job that I did that I hated. And eventually I moved into sales and moved up through like a corporate sales thing. And I worked for a big company that you would know if I told you it was, but in 2008 or nine, don't remember anymore. I had an opportunity to take a buyout and along with that buyout, I can't talk about them, but I had an opportunity to take a buyout and, or the alternative was travel three weeks out of every month. And I had teenagers and preteens. And so there was no way that travel was going to happen. So I took a buyout and didn't really know what to do next. And so my husband said, why don't you start writing? You've always wanted to write. Why don't you take a year or so and see if you can turn it into a business? So I started out doing some copywriting, some VA work, a lot of just whatever I could get to come in the door and learning about business. Even though I have a really strong business background, I had to learn what it looks like to freelance, right? Because that's a lot different. Fast forward to now, my business has been through a few iterations and I have basically an agency that really focuses on corporate marketing and strategy and small business marketing and strategy. We do a lot of stuff with like attorneys and yoga studios and big manufacturing companies and crazy stuff. Along the way, and I think what's relevant 
to all of you, I had to learn that confidence isn't something that just grows. Like a lot of times we think, well, if I get a few jobs, I'll be confident. I just need to do this and then I'll be confident. I need to launch my website and then I'll have confidence. Confidence is like a coat that you put on. You're not going to feel it. You have to reach into your closet and grab that thing and put it on and wear it and be like, well, I'm confident because I have my confident coat on. And then, you know, and then at night when you're having a glass of wine, thinking about how things didn't go the way you want to, you can go ahead and take the confident coat off. Right. You have to project confidence or you're not going to get clients. So that that idea that if I just get a few clients, I'll have confidence that never happens because you don't get the clients without the confidence. So you have to not even fake it. You just have to own it before you feel it. And when I, once I realized that my business started taking off. And so that's really, I think what I want to talk about today is that confidence piece, because that's the crucial part. And business owners pick up on that. Like the way you present yourself, the way you do that first outreach email, um, the way you handle yourself in a discovery call and the follow-up, like all of that is like showing your confidence level. And it's so hard. This, this world is so hard because I know my own, I've been doing it for a while, but mine still goes like this, depending on like what I'm doing, who I'm working with, whatever the algorithm's throwing my way. So um, I think this is so nice to just hear this and hear like the real side of it because we all probably struggle with this the most, yeah. all of us, every single one of us, freelancers and business owners. Yeah, we all do. And you know, life happens, right? It happens to all of us. Mm-hmm. I'm standing here and I'm confident in what I'm going to tell you, but I'm not confident because I got caught in a downpour. And so my hair is like air dried and my bangs are doing something weird and like curly crazy. You know, so there's always going to be something. Your dog's going to throw up on your way out the door. You're going to forget to sign your kid's um, field trip notice, the school's going to call you and tell you something crazy. Your husband's or significant other is going to be like, hey, so I'm trapped in Atlanta for the next week. Like stuff happens, right? So what we have to do is be able to just set that down and show up in whatever circumstance with confidence. So let's talk about how to do that or what I've learned about how to do that. Um, You can think of these as confidence hacks if you want to, or um, you can think of them however you want. Um, In fact, that's actually not a bad idea. Emily was asking me before I came on if I had a freebie I could offer, and um, I can. I don't have it yet, but I will have it by the end of the week. So I will put together a freebie of confidence hacks for you. Not only the ones I'm talking about now, but some others I'll think of, I'm sure, in another day or so. Um, Okay, confidence hacks. First, um, if you talk to like a sports hero or like a star, they have their special shoes, special socks, special something that they wear or a routine that they do that gives them confidence. It gets them ready for game time. So what is your thing that you can do that gets you ready for game time? meaning your confidence thing. Is it the earrings that make you feel good? Is it, you know, a certain shirt that you want to wear? Um, it, it doesn't have to be your appearance though. Is it something else that you do? So here's something I do when I'm worried about confidence. I have a little folder of praise that I've gotten from people, especially praise that came after I did something really hard. And so I remember what the context, like why. So 
I read through that. If I'm going to have a call with a new client or prospective new client and I'm feeling anxious about it, I read through my list of stuff like, no. And I say to myself, you handled that. You did that. You, you, they love you. These other people love you too. This is amazing. You really got this. And I get myself hyped up almost like you would do to your small child when like, um, I have my preschool grandson and he's like, Nana, I don't know if I can do this. He was telling me this just the other day. I don't think I can count to 10. It's too hard. I get stuck at seven and it makes me upset because at school, they laugh at me because I don't know what comes after seven. And I just feel like I don't want to go to school. And I'm like, well, buddy, a month ago, you couldn't count to five. And now you've made it to seven. You're like a superhero. You've done that like in a whole month. So let's talk about what comes after seven and what does an eight look like and what does it rhyme with? And once you can, you're going to get it because you got seven, right? And so I amp him up. You need to be able to amp yourself up. Like nobody's going to do that for you. You have to do it for yourself. So I have this little um, file of praise that I read through and remind myself that I can do this, right? Um, the next thing that I do that I've done as a confidence hack is I've eliminated certain words from my vocabulary. I've okay. eliminated them in my writing and I eliminated them in the way that I speak. So the word if, if is not a confident word. No. Now there are times when you want to ask someone, uh, uh, you want to ask them a question that really should start with if, just leave the if off. <laughs> Instead of saying, if you're ready to, you say, ready to do this? It's much more confident than the if. If always means you're not sure they want to. But if you're mm. confident, you're sure they want to. Like, why the heck wouldn't they want to? Think of it like when you invite someone to go to a party come to your house for a party. If I'm having a party and I am, I'm going to invite you, Emily, to my party, I'm not going to say, so Emily, if I had a party on Saturday, do you think that that might be something that you would like to do? No, I say, Emily, I'm having a party. Or I say, Emily, I'm thinking about having a party. Want to come? Yeah. And I'm assuming you're going to say yes. But if you say no, it probably won't end my life. Like it's not a personal judgment. It's just, you got something else going on on Saturday. It's okay. But in business, we say, if you think you might possibly want a VA, then I can probably be the person that helps you. Eh. Just kill if, Dad. I think about, like, would you like to book a discovery call? And then I just want to chop out all of that and say, book a discovery call. Yes. Good writing, lead with the verb. It is just so much more powerful. This you is really helpful. No ifs, no woulds, no wills, no cans, no shoulds. So one that people always miss is they'll say, together we will, or we will do this. When we work together, we will. Get rid of will. I do this for clients. When you want this, you need to get it from me. Like there's no will in there. You want them to see the solution happening now. How do you feel about let's? I'm just thinking about my own you know, vernacular. Like let's, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. I don't know. There's something Maybe that let's get started or yeah. let's get together. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, that better or kind of yeah. like, eh? No, I like let's a lot. A lot of times we, in our copy and in our language, we talk about the client like they're them 
and we're us. Mm-hmm. And so we say, you this, me this, you this, me this, and that's not together. We're creating distance between us mentally. But when you talk to people that you're close to, you talk in terms of we, us, let's. Yeah. It's a circle. So when I'm writing copy or when I'm talking, I talk about you. You have a problem. Your problem is this, blah, blah, blah. It's your problem. I might even talk about lots of people have that problem or that's a common problem. Like I might not let you just be all alone with your problem, but (laughs) it's always always your problem. It's not my problem. The solution is always mine. Mm -hmm. I solved that problem this way. I did this in my own business to solve it. I've learned this and that. So you're the one with the problem. I'm the one with the solution. And then as soon as I start talking about us working together, we're in the same circle. We solve problems like this all the time. That's the one place I will use, Will. We will solve your problem. Let's get started. I might do that. But I don't like copy that's full of a lot of wills. Okay. Because it implies that I'm not sure. We'll, We'll probably do this. We usually do that. Like it's, it's not sure. So I do this so that you can do that together. We blah, blah, blah. So I might say, Emily, I write copies so that you can get more clients together. We will take over the world. Like that's a, that's a construct that works really well. So I do X for you so that you can do Y. Does that yeah, yeah, that that totally makes sense. And then I'm thinking about a client I used to work with who didn't like it when I came across strong like that. Like she always wanted to soften the words up. And I know I think there's probably a balance. Like I still needed to hit her voice, but she just didn't like it. And to me, it always felt like own it. Just own yeah. it. I mean, let's go straight to the the right verb. I mean, I have, you know me, I have a journalism degree. Like we don't mess around with fluffy words when you're writing a new story. Right. So That's so interesting. And to think about it in your own like client outreach and how you get clients and how you come across in like the littlest words, like it's projecting an image of yourself. Mm -hmm. And that will, that if it gives someone a way out, like if they're looking for it, they're going to see it. Right. Another indicator of confidence is how we work with clients. So when you're working with clients, who has the power? Is it you or is it them? And so are you a worker bee that takes direction and just does transactional stuff and doesn't have any say in anything, or are you an expert? You might not feel like an expert, but no one will treat you like one until you start acting like one. And so you need to be able to say, for instance, so you might ask me, do I do transactional work for clients? Sure, I do. Is the client in charge? Yes. Does the client tell me what they want done? Of course they do. There's nothing wrong with that. But the way I receive that is by saying, great, I understand why you'd like that done. I recommend we also do X, Y, Z. And I continue to talk like an expert. If I don't agree with them, I will say, that's interesting. Can you explain to me why you would make that choice? Like, what are you thinking there? And when they tell me, then I say, oh, hmm, I guess I would recommend that we do this because it's going to be more effective. So in your client, I understand why you might want to soften that, but I think it'll be more, much more effective if we do this, this, if we're more direct. 
So yeah. where can we meet in the middle? So you notice I'm not letting you tell me exactly what to do. I'm not sort of laying down and saying, oh, okay, here's what I think. I love this so much because I feel like nine times out of 10, the business owners are complaining to me that their VAs are not doing enough. And they have this expectation that you will step up into this role. And like whatever's happening there, there's little things like Michelle's talking about where you step up into this more sidekick, strategic consultant role by offering that subtly. And another phrase I like to say is in my experience, like this works or, you know, like being able to kind of bring up those other ideas, but not in a, like a, a way that's like, you know, domineering. <laughs> mm -hmm. So this is really good because this is how you cement yourself and get treated better and then work up the ladder, yeah. getting bigger clients. I think a third point about confidence I want to point out is how we react when things go wrong. You make mistakes, the client forgets, you just frankly have a bad day, things just go wrong, client misunderstands and they come to you and they're irritated, like things go wrong, right? So mm -hmm. how do you handle that when something goes wrong? Confidence stays very calm and is not surprised. I always think of my grandmother always said, and I'm, I'm a person of faith, but my grandmother always said, go ahead and complain to God, he's not surprised. <laughs> and that's like the ultimate of confidence. So when a client will come to me and they're really disappointed in something and there's been a misunderstanding, I'll say, oh, well, okay, here's how we can resolve that together. Or I might say, tell me what you think happened. Or I might say, if I make a mistake, I own it and I get right. Right out in front of it. And that's confident too. Instead of waiting for the client to come to you and say, oh, you really... If I know I did, I'll reach right out. Hey, I just realized that we agreed that I would do X, but actually this happened. So here are the options. And I always immediately, I own it. And then I present options. Here are the options for making that right. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I almost never propose refunding money. I almost never propose working for free. If they come back to me and they say, I just want my money back, I might ask them to elaborate on that. But at the end of the day, I'll probably give it to them if that's really a problem. But I don't lead with that. I think so often we lead with, let me just fix this for you for free. Oh my gosh, I'm so upset that this happened. I'm so embarrassed. You look unconfident then. Yeah, you do. Instead of just saying, yeah, this on me. I saw recently in my own group where the VA said, okay, I understand if you want to fire me. I understand if you don't want to work with me anymore. And I was just like, no, don't go there because if we all make mistakes, it's how you handle it and how you fix it and how you communicate it. Like I was managing some ads, Michelle, for somebody and I accidentally deleted them all. And I real quickly in my brain, I'm not going to lie. I was like, shit, can I like just build it real quick and not tell her? <laughs> like in my head, I was like, I can just recreate it. It'll be fine. And I'm like, no, you know, I have to own it. I have to fix it. I will finish it. And yeah, I'm proud of how I handled it. But for a while there, I just wanted to like disappear like a ghost and mm -hmm. cut it off. <laughs> it's really difficult sometimes because we do want to disappear and we are embarrassed and we are ashamed. The extra credit points, though, when you make a mistake or when something goes sideways that I want to really encourage you to, this made a difference in my business, 
is doing something similar to what the military does in terms of an after action report. So get together with the client once the dust settles and nobody's mad at anybody anymore, the problem's fixed, and then say, okay, I wanna have a quick meeting to talk about what happened and how we got here and how we can make sure this doesn't happen again. So good. And so you then look very professional, right? It's rare, probably for any of us, that we make a mistake just because we make a mistake. Although it does happen. In the case of you deleting ads, like that's one. I've made a few of that too. But more often what happens is we, a mistake happens because the client doesn't communicate clearly or we don't understand and we don't ask questions or there's not good work instructions or like there's something that can be correct. rushed. It always happens when they're rushed and then they rush me. And so yeah. if you can do an after action type meeting with them where you say, okay, in this project, these are the things that went well. This is how we communicated, but we ran into trouble. Here's the trouble we ran into. Why do we think this happened? I know we were rushed. So how can we not be rushed in the future? I know we didn't have good work instructions. Okay. How can we correct that going forward? Can I document what we did this time? So we have it next time. Was there technology? Did we use a different, like, I know you just switched to StreamYard. Well, if this didn't work with StreamYard, maybe we would be doing it after action and we would say, oh, we switched to StreamYard, but we didn't realize StreamYard needs us to do X, Y, Z. So let's write that down. So next time we do it, when you step back and you're objective with the client and you're not apologizing or hiding and you're saying to them, okay, the mistake happened. We're through it now. So let's make sure it doesn't happen again. You look confident and you add value to them because they're probably flying by the seat of their pants. Like we all do. Yeah. And they you just know. want to make sure it doesn't happen again, that you get right. smarter. I mean, it's, it's hundred percent like growth mindset here, right? You can't expect perfectionism, but you can, they want you to care about their business and see that you're looking out for them in the future and different mistakes are going to happen next time. So let's get ready. <laughs> One of the biggest things too about confidence, especially when you're just starting out is know what you charge. Never say to a client, what were you expecting to pay? What do you think this yeah. is worth? Well, um, I don't know, what do you wanna pay me? <laughs> because then you have no confidence, right? Actually, it's okay to say, what's your budget for this? But then what you wanna say is, well, let me tell you what I can do within that budget. You need to know what you charge. And it's helpful to also know, even if you charge hourly, to know, and I don't actually recommend charging hourly. I don't know what you recommend. And it depends, I suppose, on the type of work. Yeah. More than anything. But you have to be able to quote your pricing, not in a little girl voice. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up the little girl voice. You knew I was going to ask you about it. But yes, tell us more. So what if you charged $100 an hour? And I'm just picking that because it's an even number. I'm not saying everyone on this call should charge that. Actually, that's probably quite a bit more than a lot of you are charging. So that I'm not trying to, the reason I picked that number is because I don't want to fix pricing. So what if you charge $100 an hour? Could you stand there and say, oh, I charge $100 an hour for that and then shut up? Or would you need to say, I charge $100 an hour and I really think I'm worth it because my mom really likes me and I've done the same kind of work with five other people and also I'm kind of busy right now. And um, so what do you think about that price? Yeah, not so confident. And then the little girl voice, I charge $100 an hour. Would that be okay? Would that be okay with you? You have to charge 
people will ask me, what do you think I should charge? And my answer is whatever you can quote confidently without justification and without the little girl voice. So one of the first things they teach you in sales is to quote the fee and shut up. So you might ask me, Michelle, what do you charge to do a basic website? And I would say, well, it depends on the business, but you're an attorney and you have a small law firm. So our standard fee is around $3,000. Now I don't say anything else. You'll be surprised how many times that client will go, oh, okay. But if they don't, if they say, wow, that's a little bit more than I was expecting. I say, oh, really? That's interesting. What were you expecting? And they'll tell me and I'll say, hmm, well, that sounds like, you know, it's probably a pretty good deal. If you can get that somewhere else, you should go for it. But I charge this and we're talking because you're interested in working with me. So what do we say when we get those business owners who want to haggle or want you for less. I mean, that happens with a lot of people in my world who are newer virtual assistants. Like they, they know they're newer mm -hmm. and a little bit of a taking advantage of them, a little bit of a, like their own money mindset issues. So how do you combat that? You can't want the job more than they want the help. First of all, you cannot want the job more than they want the help. Never. So you have to have an abundance mindset. And I know that sounds a little woo-woo, but you have to realize that there are lots of clients out there, lots mm -hmm. of fish in the sea, and you can't want that one more than they want you, number one. Number two, if they want to haggle, you never give without getting, ever, ever, ever. And so I almost never haggle because that's my personal red rope. But I have friends who do similar work as I do, and they will haggle. Here's what you do. Oh, well, let's say we're talking about that same website, and I charge $3,000. Oh, well, I'd like to get it for $2,000. My answer would be, great. So let's look at the scope of work and see what I can do for you for $2,000. Mm -hmm. So let's take some of the page count off. Do you have strategy already? Do you have core messaging I can use? They're like, no, no, I need the whole thing. Oh, well, the whole thing's 3000 Or I might say sometimes I can do it for the 2000 that you're looking for, but only because I have a gap next week that I haven't sold into. And so if you're ready to go next week, it's kind of like, you know, can I get that hotel room at half price because you didn't sell it and now it's 5 p.m.? So can I throw that in? Like I can do it for you right now if you want to pay me in cash in full right now and you're ready to go because I have some space I haven't sold. So now what I'm getting in return from them is their commitment that we're going to be done in this window. Oh, good point. That's a good way to look at it. Because you have to think of yourself partially as a machine. You are a machine. <laughs> I love you, it. You have, like, if you worked in manufacturing, there's someone in production who schedules that machine. It's running widgets on Tuesday and it's running coffee cups on Wednesday. And it's, you know, and so it can't run widgets and coffee cups on Wednesday because it only can run one thing at a time. You are a machine. So every time you say yes to a client at a lower price point, you're saying no to the next client that walks in because you've booked that time now with somebody at a lower rate. So I only agree to a lower rate when I haven't booked the time already. Like the machine's just gonna sit idle. If I don't have work tomorrow, nobody's gonna pay me next week for work I could have done tomorrow. Like it's not gonna get that time back. Is this making sense? Am I talking in circles? Oh, 
No, it totally does. I'm thinking about like, you know, like you said, the hotel, like booking the last minute vacation and getting the deal. And it makes yeah. sense to be efficient with your time. I think I just never thought about that because I usually don't have that extra time. Right. Or I'm thinking about the one client that I said yes to for like a weekend gig for some extra Christmas money because I wanted some Christmas money. <laughs> so right. I just took that on for knowing that it would be one and done. Hey, let me just interrupt for a second and invite you to the How to Work on the Line Masterclass. I am teaching the five areas online business owners need to hire out right now. This is a free training. Just pick your day and time and attend and watch it when you get a chance. It's about an hour long. We're going to cover online business industry lingo, buzzwords, and the behind the scenes job positions you could be doing. We're also covering what you need to know to get hired online and stand out above the competition. Head over to emilyreaganpr.com, link is in the show notes, to sign up right now and get your learning on and you're going to gain clarity and have your eyes open to the remote work possibilities. I'll see you there. Once again, emilyreaganpr.com slash masterclass. All right, back to the show. One of the things I've started doing with projects as well, just recently, and this is since I had my grandson, is that a lot of times for me in my work, I have a start date for a project and then I have an estimated end date. And that was always for me so that I'd have some margin. But what I'm noticing now is that clients will carry the project on. Oh, just one more thing. Oh, just a little bit more. Oh, I can't yes. get back to you just yet. Oh, I'm, you know, I, I forgot that I have a vacation plan to Aruba and I'm not gonna be available. Like that kind of stuff goes on. So now I quote a start and an end. And if because of them, we exceed our end date, that's an expansion of scope and I build it more. I should have been doing this with a current client because it is just dragging on and it's taking up my mental load and I want to be wrapped up with the last day of school. And yeah. it's not. It's not. <laughs> but you have to do that at the beginning. You have yeah. to put in your yeah. contract. Yeah. And then you can say to the client, well, now we agreed that we were going to wrap this up by the end of May and it's carrying over into June and it's not carrying over into June because of me. You say it nicer than that, but it's not going yeah. into June. Uh, due to your availability, it's carrying over into June. So let me give you an invoice for the amount that you're over scope. I don't say, so you're over scope. Is that okay? I say, so I'll be sending you an invoice for the amount that you're over scope. God, yeah. Get them into gear too. And Every time you ask somebody, this is in general, every time you ask someone if it's okay, you give them the opportunity to say no. Right. So I learned quickly with my grandson, if I say, we have apple juice today, is that okay with you? Who cares if it's okay with him? All we have is apple juice. It's either um, apple juice or nothing. So dude, what do you want? Nothing? I don't do that to my kids, Michelle. I'm like, you will take this and you will drink it and like it. <laughs> he, said to like me this mean morning, he said to me this morning, we were out of Cheerios. So my husband made him French toast before he went to school. And so he goes, <laughs> the French toast is cooking. He says to me, Nana, I want cereal today. I'm like, yeah. He goes, so I can have cereal? I'm like, no, we're, we don't have any cereal. He's like, I don't want French toast. I'm like, okay, you don't have to eat breakfast. He's like, what? Like, what is wrong with you? Don't you understand? I want cereal. I'm like, oh. that's such a good analogy. Like thinking about kids, like you give them two choices. You don't give them too many. And like clients are the same way, right? <laughs> you know, a lot of times too, we let clients tell us what they need instead of telling us what they're trying to do. I ask them, what are you trying to do? And they say, well, I'm trying to prepare for a course launch. 
and I need support. Oh, okay. Instead of letting them tell me I need this done and this done and this done, that's all transactional. I step back and I say, what are you trying to accomplish? I'm trying to prepare for a course launch. Great. And so you need assistance from that. Great. Well, I'm a skilled virtual assistant. I do these things. And based on what you're telling me, I think we should put together a package that includes X, Y, and Z. And you leave out the things you really don't want to do. If you let them tell you what they need, then you're not in the driver's seat. Mm -mm. If they're like, I need somebody, I get this in copyright too. I need somebody to write emails for me. Okay. I say, what are you trying to accomplish with those emails? And then they tell me what their bigger plan is, what they got going on. And I'll be like, well, okay. Then it sounds to me like what you need is this and this, and you actually really also need that. And so let's put together a package. I've never had someone say to me, why do you need to know that? Most people are happy to tell you what they're trying mm -hmm. to accomplish because they're excited about it. Yeah. And you get your power back mm -hmm. in that situation. I a like lot that. of this is confidence projecting. So inside you might still feel like you're an imposter, but newsflash, we all feel that way sometimes. Even when we've had a business for 10 years, we all still feel sometimes like if she knew that I, you know, we have those feelings. That's part of being human. So if you expect those to go away, you're going to be waiting a long time, sister, because they don't go away. They don't. What do they say? New level, new devil. Yep. You know, different so, client, different devil. <laughs> so you just have to project and you do it however you can with hacks like word choice. One of the things I do that is another hack for confidence is I practice. I practice in the mirror and I practice with my family. Do you really? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are you practicing? Oh, I practice all kinds of things. I practice objections. I practice crazy requests. So <laughs> sometimes I'll ask my husband. He's on to me, though. But I'll ask my husband something wild. Like, I'll just walk into the room and I'll be like, hey, do you have like an extra hundred bucks? And I'll go, what? And I'll say, do you have a hundred dollars? And he'll say, why do you need it? And I'll say, yeah. And he'll say, what for? And I'll say, I just need it. And, you know, I've gotten him to get out his wallet and give it to me, like just from being confident and not saying, can I have, may I please? I practice on my grandson all the time. He's easy because he's not on to what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> I will, let's see, I practice objections, objection yeah. handling. Yeah. So if someone says to me, actually, I wasn't planning to go here today, but let me just tell you my process for handling objections. The first thing you do when you hear an objection is you acknowledge it. So if you said to me, I think that's, I think you're too expensive. And I'll say, well, I am rather expensive. That's me acknowledging. Like, I agree. I heard you. I agree with you. Expensive. And then I say, why is that a concern for you? So the next step, once I acknowledge it, I'm trying to understand more about it. Why is that a concern for you? And now you get to the real thing. So when someone says you're expensive, they either mean I don't have enough money. That's possible. Or right. they, you haven't proven to me that you're worth it. That's a different objection. So I, I acknowledge and then I explore. I ask them to tell me more about that. Why are you feeling that way? I practice this with my grandson. I say, you need to go to bed. He says, I don't want to go to bed. I said, I, I will say, I will acknowledge. Oh, you don't want to go to bed. And I'll say yes. And I'll say, why is that? That's me exploring. 
Why don't you want to go to bed? And he'll tell me all the different reasons. Then I isolate. So isolate always sounds like this. If we can agree on this, this objection, if we can agree on price, if we can agree on your bedtime, if we can come to agreement on our deadline, if we can come to agreement on the scope of work, is that the only thing that's keeping you from saying yes? You want to isolate that way. If we can agree on price, is that the only thing keeping you from moving forward? If it is, now all you have to do is figure out how to get to the right price. If it's not, you're going to find out what else is going on. Oh, no, no, I wasn't planning to make a decision today. Okay, well, then I'm not going to waste my time talking to you about price. You don't say that, but yeah. you just your energy changes. You're not going to, you're like, okay, why would you wait? What else is going on? So if we can come to agreement on price, if we can come to agreement on your bedtime, then will you go to bed without sass? Are you ready to go to bed? Yes, Nana, I'll go to bed without sass. Okay. How about if you have five more minutes to play with your blocks? Okay. So then he plays with his blocks for five minutes and I say, now we agreed. So now you're going to go to bed without sass, right? Yep. And he'll go to bed. He really will because he's four. He hasn't figured this out yet. <laughs> but you can do this with clients too. So if we can come to agreement on scope, is that all we need to worry about? Are you ready to move forward? What would you say to the client? I hear this and see this in my groups. They're not sure if the ROI is there by hiring okay. a virtual assistant. Okay. How would you handle that objection? What are your concerns about ROI? Why do you have that concern? And see what they have to say. They've been burned before. They're yep. hesitant about the investment. Yep. So if they've been, let's say they've been burned before. That's what I usually hear. I've been burned before. Okay. <laughs> What did that look like? Burn how? Well, I worked with so-and-so and blah, 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 and they ghosted me and I didn't get my thing done and it was a big waste of time because they didn't know how to do work and blah, blah, blah. So then I would say, okay, sounds like you've worked with someone that's not a skilled and experienced virtual assistant. I have been trained as a digital marketing expert or a, you know whatever your expertise is. I have been trained... I have done this work in a number of contexts before, even if you haven't done it with another client, you've done the work. So I've yeah. done this work in other contexts. I've mastered it and I'm confident in my ability to deliver results to you. It sounds like you didn't choose well the last time. So how about if we try a small project so that we can both feel confident in the ROI moving forward. That's something I do all the time with copywriting. People will say, well, I, you know, I've worked with copywriters before and it doesn't work. Okay. Tell me what happened. Well, I hired them on Odesk or I, you know, blah, 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 or I, whatever. Okay. Well, it sounds like you worked with somebody who isn't as skilled in this area as I am. And so I've done this work for a number of people, blah, 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 in this way. But I understand that you're hesitant. So let's try a small project. And I propose the small project usually to people. So let's try, we've been talking about this big scope of work. How about if we start here and we do this to make sure that we're both satisfied with the ROI, that we're both happy with the engagement. And if we're not both, and I, I never leave it up to them, if we're not both fully satisfied, then we won't move forward together. 
because I want an out too. What if the reason this client didn't get good ROI in the past is because they're a jerk face? Yeah, I know. And you want to test him out. You want to make yeah. sure you're not getting in bed with a bad client. Yeah, because you know, so my brother and sister-in-law are having a little bit of a marital challenge at the moment, as we all do at times. And so I've talked to my brother separately from my sister-in-law and I've talked to my sister-in-law separately from my brother. And you know what? They both think that they're not the problem. Ooh. She's the problem. He's the problem. They're not the problem. I'm not the problem. I'm not the problem. <laughs> the clients that have had poor ROI, they never think they're the problem ever, mm -hmm. but actually they probably are part of the problem. So you want to have that small trial project. It be understood that you can jump ship too. Like if this client is just texting you at three in the morning and that's why they don't get good ROI. Like, yeah, I don't have time for you, buddy. And they can be gone. Yeah. I also feel like I don't always want to convince people. I feel like if I have to convince them too much, I already have flags if they're bringing this up, first of all, I just want to put that out there. Like we talked about this earlier, but there is so much work out there and you do not have to be desperate and jump on that because there's another job coming around the corner. I mean, we're posting jobs every day over in my group and for my students and you do not have to settle and take those flags, but it does come up. I mean, it does come up sometimes and maybe not that black and white, but like mm -hmm. overall, I mean, they are questioned, like they're questioning that. Yeah. Practice how you're going to say no. I find that one of the most confidence building things or hacks for me is to practice how I'm going to decline the project. Because once I know how I'm going to decline it, then they're selling me. I'm not selling them. And it just shifts all of my confidence. So I practice. Based on what we're discussing, Emily, I don't think we're a good fit to work together. I love it. Do you say that like in a live discovery call? I will. Yeah, I do. I don't even bother with a proposal. I actually said to a client, I'm doing a proposal for him, but I said it to a client last Friday, we're talking about stuff and he's like, well, I think that sounds really great, blah, 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 blah. And I said, okay. I said, um, well, normally the next step would be a proposal. And he said, great, let's do it. I said, well, if I get you a proposal and the proposal reflects this conversation, are you ready to move forward? And he said, well, no, I'm probably not going to make a decision until September. And I said, then I'm not going to make a proposal until September. Okay, good for you. And then he said, oh, well, what if I was willing to move forward immediately? And I said, then I would be willing to do a proposal immediately. So now we started talking about when he would schedule the project and I haven't even given him a proposal yet. That shift happened because I was willing to say no to a proposal. Yeah. And you got so much confidence there. I like that. And it really shifts the power and it makes you come across so confident. You're like, I don't need my time. You're communicating how that working relationship will be moving forward right there. And then with one sentence. Yeah, absolutely. You're setting the tone. And so I practice in the mirror how I'm going to decline. I also practice this. I'm pretty wordy. You're noticing. I'm pretty wordy. I tell stories, whatever. Confidence is quiet. Insecurity is loud. Uses lots of words. Confidence is very quiet. Meaning on an inquiry call, I, in the areas where I know I'm likely to give up power, I practice being concise. So I want to make sure that I'm clear, that I use as few words as possible, that I don't ask if it's okay, and then I shut up. Because if I start going on and on and on and on and on, I look insecure. You do. 
So in that same scenario, well, if you're not ready to move forward, I'm not ready to give you a proposal. I stopped instead of saying what my Midwestern nice would be, which is because that would be a waste of time for both of us. I mean, I would put together a proposal. I'd spend lots of time doing that and then you would get it. You'd probably want to look at it anyway. And then you're not ready to make it, you know, and then we just have to do all this again. And that would be really inconvenient for all of us. Now I look like I'm begging. Mm -hmm. Instead, I just shut it. (laughs) This reminds me a lot of the book, Never Split the Difference. It's about negotiation. And um, I'm actually running into this problem now because I have a work group and I opened it up to non crash course students. And there's a $97 join fee, like for the serious people, $97. If you're serious, you don't bat an eye, you jump in. I'm getting a lot of people who are like, I don't want to pay that. And I start to write my emails. You'll be so proud of me, like explaining why. And then I delete it every time. Like I, you know, I don't need to explain that we're vetting you or that X, Y, and Z and the value here and there. I'm like, this is my price. Correct. Yes. So, I mean, if you think about services, services are really all the same, except that if it's our service that we feel comfortable providing, we feel like people can push us and we feel like we should beg them. But you know what? I hate cleaning toilets. I hate cleaning bathrooms. I hate cleaning toilets. If you want me to pitch cleaning your bathroom, I'm going to go hundred bucks, 200 bucks, whatever number, a hundred bucks. I'll say for a hundred dollars, I'll come clean your bathroom. Emily. Oh, I don't want to pay a hundred. Would you do it for 75? No, no way. <laughs> no. Like I'm not even sure I should do it for a hundred to be honest, but that's what I quoted. When it's a service we enjoy providing, we start saying something like, Oh, they needed me though to be less expensive. Really? I need you to clean my toilet for free. Like, when can you be over here? But you're not going to do it because you don't want to, right? Yeah. You have to have the same level of respect for the services you enjoy providing. I love this analogy so much. And I think that gives us perspective because we start to feel guilty about money and our talent. And if you look at it like that, that's setting yourself up for success. Because eventually, even if you take a lower paycheck, you're going to start resenting. You start burning out, like all of the bad juju comes into play when you do that, when you discount yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really not about expertise either, because I will tell you, I'm a darn good toilet scrubber. The thing is clean. You could eat out of it. How do I know this? Because I don't like a dirty toilet and I'm responsible for one or two in my life. So I make sure they're clean and I clean them really good. So I don't have to come back to it like 12 hours later and do it again. Right. So it's not about skill. If there were a toilet cleaning competition, I could get a gold medal in toilet cleaning. I know I could. It's not about skill. I still don't want to clean toilets. So you can't say, well, I don't, I'm not sure I'm worth uh, they weren't willing to pay for it and I'm probably not worth it anyhow. And I really just want the job. Really? <laughs> Why even quote 50 bucks or hundred bucks if you know you're going to come down? If you know in your heart of hearts that you feel like you're only worth $10 an hour, then why not just quote that all day long and be happy with it? The reason is you know you're worth more. So you need to convince you or you're never going to convince anybody else. And if you haven't convinced you, you need to pretend you have. Pretend. <laughs> I love it. We went back to that that coat. <laughs> Just put the coat on and be willing to walk away. Remember, you cannot want it more than they do. Yeah. You can't amen. want it more than they do. What if you're unsure how long the project will take? How do you confidently price? <sighs> well, it's uh, hard. 
it is hard and you're going to win some and lose some, to be honest. Yeah. So usually what I do is I take my very best guess and then I add 15 to 25% to that. And I, Amen. that's, yeah. that's what I do. Um, and sometimes I still, it goes over and, you know, I do something that a lot of people don't do in my industry when they charge project rates, which is I track my time and I track the time of my team and I do an after action report, just me. And I say, okay, on that job I did for Emily, I quoted that based on 10 hours and we, it actually took us 12 or on that job I quoted for Emily, I quoted 10 hours and we actually did it in five. So maybe now I I'm quoting a little high for that. Do I want to back it down? Do I want to add something else in? I don't go back to the client and go, oh, we did that so fast. Here's a refund. Like, Never. But what no. if you go, like, there's one thing if there's scope creep, like adding mm -hmm. that into it. But sometimes you take a hit, right? If it goes yeah, over early, early on, this is how you get better and smarter. And the pricing is like evolution. Yes, exactly. So if I quote a project fee for $1,000 and it's based on, let's say, 10 hours of time or 20 hours of time and we go over and it's not the client's fault. It's my fault. I absolutely eat that. I never go to the client and say, Oh, I underquoted. I'm so sorry. Never. But mm -hmm. the other thing I always do is I always call out. Well, I'm saying always, and I just now of course thought of a time when I didn't and regretted it, but I try very always to call out scope creep, even if I don't bill for it. So I will say to the mm -hmm. client, well, that's, you know, our original scope was five emails. We can go ahead and add that sixth one because I agree with you that we need that. That is an expansion of scope, but I'm not going to charge you this time. Amen. I still call it out even if I'm not going to charge it. I don't want to give up the value and I don't want to water down the idea of scope. But it's also possible that they'll say they want that sixth email and I know we're already running long and like the client's been kind of a, you know, hard to work with or whatever. And I'll be like, well, that's an expansion of scope. And I never say that's an expansion of scope. I'll need to bill you X. Is that okay? There we go. <laughs> Instead, I say that's an expansion of scope. I can send you an invoice today for whatever amount if you would like to go forward. So yeah. now they know if I really want that sixth email, it's a hundred bucks or whatever, and I'm going to have to pay for it today. 50% of the time they go, eh, I don't really want it then. The other 50% they go, oh, is that all? Can we add a seventh one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My friend likens it to when you're building a house and picking out the finishes, like you're aware, like, oh, that might be more and I want it. Like, I know I want it. And so you never know, but you do have to bring it up and bill accordingly. When it comes to scope expansion, I always say yes, always. They want to expand scope, they can expand scope. Sure, sounds great. Here's what that costs. And then they can decide. Yeah, put it you on know, them. I think of it like a restaurant. So they come around the table and they offer me dessert. Oh, that apple pie looks amazing. Great, we'll add it to your bill. It's going to be another five, six, seven bucks, whatever it is. Or I go, hmm. or they show me the apple pie and I go, what do you get for that? And they go, Oh, that's 1195. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want it. Right. I treat scope that way. So they have bought the meal. If they want to add on dessert or an X or a cocktail, like it's going to cost extra. So I always say yes. Cause of course we can do that. Even if I don't recommend it, I'll say, yes, I don't recommend that for you because here's why, but if you want it, we can add it in. That's a good analogy. <laughs> Okay, I have another question for you. And okay. I know we, we got to wrap it up. But yeah. how do you confidently raise your prices? 
Well, it is really, really, really hard to raise prices with an existing client. So the first thing I do to build confidence is I sell two and then raise the price, sell two, raise the price, two or three, depending. So like, let's take hourly. Let's say you're, you're billing $25 an hour and you want to go up to 50. So the next two times you propose quote 50, or if you can't do that without the little girl voice quote 35 and sell two or three. The reason you want two or three is because one can be just an outlier, but two begins to be a pattern. And then three, if you're really not sure, like you just need an extra add a girl, like go ahead and go three, but then raise it again, raise it again until you get to where either you can't sell it, which means it's too high or it's too high for the way that you're marketing or presenting yourself is actually more true or you're happy with the price and then leave it there, you know, raise it and then leave it there. With an existing client, I actually just had a call Friday like this. I have an existing client. He's a long-term client. We've been writing stuff for him for a long time, me and my agency. And so he got a certain rate, Mm -hmm. a monthly retainer rate. And I've decided now that I'm my grandson that I'm getting rid of the least profitable 20% of my clients. So I had that conversation with him. I'm very candid and I know Mm -hmm. he's working for two years. So I just said, Hey, you know, I took on my grandson. He's like, yeah, yeah. How's that going? We had a little dish about that. And then I said, so in order for me to manage my life, now that I have constraints on my mental bandwidth and my time, I have to really get selective about my clients. And as a result, I've determined that all of my clients need to be at this rate or above. And I know that you're currently below that rate. So here's what we can do. I will absolutely honor that rate through the end of June. So you can load me up with whatever work you want. I had this conversation with him on June 4th. So I'm like, you get a month, you can load me up with whatever you want at the low ball rate. That's fine. And then we can part as friends if you like. In fact, if you want me to give you a referral to someone else, I will. Or you can come up to the higher rate. Here's what the higher rate looks like. What do you choose? He chose the higher rate. He also had to sort of suck it up because along with that, I said, and also... (laughs) I've been doing this work for you, this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. And moving forward, these things I'm not doing anymore. So I'm only going to do, it would be like in your business, it would be like saying, I'm not doing social media anymore. I'll only do the other things, but you'll have to find somebody else for social media. And also it's a higher rate. Yeah, I've done that. Been there. Feels good. He said, well, that's kind of a surprise. And then he said, Well, I know that I want to work with you. I know that I really value the relationship and I know that you generate good work and blah, blah, blah. But I need to think about what that looks like for me financially. And I said, great. And then I said, I have to have your decision about what you want to do. This is really important. I had to have to have your decision about what you want to do come July. I need to have that by June 11, because otherwise I'm going to listen to this, sell your spot to someone else. Remember, I'm a machine. I have spots that I fill, right? So if he didn't want a spot, that's fine. I No harm, no fall. But I need to know that by this date or that goes away. He got back to me in three hours and he said, this is what I want to do. I'll do these things with you at the higher rate. Hold my spot. He sent an email, hold my spot. He would not have had that urgency if I hadn't said to him, or I will sell your spot. And I'm saying that like really deliberately because you need to practice these word choices because in the moment when you're all nervous and anxious, the word choices don't come. So you have to practice them 
even put them on little note cards in front of you if you have to, because you you need to be able to say it. Yeah, and I assume you did this on phone or Zoom. Zoom. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's better that way too. Yeah. Good. Well, you you echoed a lot what I teach about stair stepping your prices and getting comfortable and selling. You know, once you start selling at a higher rate, you're going to look back at those existing clients, and you are going to be in that situation mm-hmm. where it makes no business sense to keep on offering the low rate. And like you kind of work yourself into like that hard place. Like you got to take action. Otherwise you're just being dumb. You're leaving money on the table. And then you find yourself not working on those client stuff first because you know you're not making as much. (laughs) So it's going to happen. And actually that's not fair to your clients. No, it's not. Because they're paying what you told them you were worth and they're expecting your best for that price. And so... Mm -hmm. If you don't give them an opportunity to pay you what you really think you're worth or what you're worth now, and you just like sort of don't give them your best because they're cheapskates or whatever, how do you know they're cheapskates? You haven't given them an opportunity to pay you more. Yeah. Like, you have to be fair to them and give them an opportunity. You have to have the big girl conversation, which I know is hard for a lot of you, but it's you can win from this. You're going to yeah. win. And you have to be also willing to walk away and lose the client. Right. It's truth. Which is okay, because there's plenty more. (laughs) I always just love talking to you. You give such good sound advice. I think it's so important to tap into people who have been doing it so you can learn from them. I'm so glad you guys are all here learning from Michelle. Can you tell everyone where to find you? Sure. So my website is michellehuntercreative.com. All one word, Michelle with two L's. There's a contact form on the site if you want to just reach out to me. My business is kind of in a change, as I alluded to, in a sort of a changing role right now. I have in the past offered the writing course. I'm currently working with people out of this group and some others in a boot camp I call Creative Business Boot Camp, um, where we're learning confidence and client management and pricing and marketing and all that stuff. So I think the best thing for you to do if you're interested in working with me on this kind of stuff is to reach out to me and I'll put together that freebie and get you on an email list. Mm-hmm. And then I generate content regularly and I'll just keep you updated with what we're doing. You can also, everyone can also always just buy an hour of my time and get on a one-on-one coaching call. That's always fine. So if that's of oh, interest okay. to you, let me know. Oh my gosh. Yes, I know. I know my people have learned so much from you and enjoy working with you. I also see you active on LinkedIn. So that might be a place to connect with you too. You're not on, you're not on social. No. And actually I just made the decision this week. I'm a words girl. I'm really into content creation and thought leadership. And so I'm going to be moving by the end of June. We won't be on Facebook at all anymore to just part with Facebook. And I'm going to lean in and deep dive into LinkedIn. So that's a great place to find me, but really you can also just use that contact form on my website. And I know it's got some required fields. You can just, you know, say something dumb in there and get to the place where you want to, you can tell me what you've got going on and I'll respond. Yeah. I can't wait to see what you do. You are like, such I, a giver. <laughs> I feel like right now we're like, just survive the summer, you know, get through the summer things will come together. So yes, definitely connect with Michelle. Any parting words of wisdom? I just want to say, I think the thing that's really important for us to think about is that you can do this and it might look messy. It might not look like what you had the dream of or the vision of, but you know what? That's life. I didn't plan to raise my four-year-old grandson, but
but here we are. That's life. Business is like life. But the thing is that the only way this doesn't work for you is if you quit. If you don't quit, you can learn, you can absolutely improve, you can make the business that you're looking for happen. All of you can. And just tap into the resources available to you in this group. Reach out to me. There's lots of people that want to help you. And so don't be afraid to do the work and don't get discouraged. This will work. As long as you do the work, this will work for you. Amen. I love it. Thank you so much, Michelle. We'll be in touch. Awesome. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. I hope you love that episode. Michelle's most active on LinkedIn. So I encourage you to go check her out there. And like I said, connect with me. I let my list know when her virtual writer opens up. She is really good at helping VAs learn copywriting skills so they can start charging more. Really. It's about giving yourself a promotion, taking on more, finding your niche, and learning all the skills you can in this online world. Right next week, we have a really good episode with another marketing strategist. We're going to talk a little bit about Facebook ads and some more things. Another brilliant mind. I can't wait to see you then. All right, bye. If you're ready to learn the digital marketing and social media skills that will get you hired online, head over to vacrashcourse.com where you can learn about my five-week program, the Digital Media VA Crash Course. Small business owners and solopreneurs want to hire someone who gets it and who can help them implement just about everything. They're looking for a magical assistant who does it all. With my comprehensive training, you can get your foot in the door and become the unicorn. Check out vacrashcourse.com. Okay, I keep saying so, I know. I like... um... I'm sorry. I'm sort of talking in circles. I blame the rain. <laughs> <sighs>